Hi, I'm Michael Cashew. And I'm Adi Cashew, and you're listening to The WAG Podcast. This podcast is about health, wellness, and personal development. Each episode is a short conversation between Adi and I on a single topic with actionable steps. We cover everything from food, mindset, fitness, and relationships. We started WAG because of the way health and fitness changed our lives, so we hope to share a tool or two that helps you along your way. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to give you a a little update on our pregnancy. We're at six months, 26 weeks, uh, six and a half months. Six and a half months. Six and a half months. And we're just going to update you on how we're feeling, what's been going on with us, resources that we're utilizing, things that we're doing to hopefully set ourselves up for the healthiest birth ever. Mm -hmm. So excited. So we're going to do this in a couple different parts. One, we have a, we're going to each answer a, a few questions that we posed, uh, and that'll be a little more kind of casual. And at the end, we will discuss technical things like books we're reading, courses we're taking, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into that, we want to thank you. Uh, if you've taken the time to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify, we really appreciate it. That's also one of the best ways that you can give back to us. Uh, if you love this podcast, then that helps us reach more people. It helps us have a bigger impact. Another way that you can do so is just by sharing this with a friend. Our biggest intent with this show is to make a really positive impact on as many people as possible. And when you hear an episode that you love and you share it with a friend, it helps us do exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah. Or reach out and let us know which episode you loved and why you loved it. I've been getting a lot of messages on Instagram or emails to our info box of just telling us what you like about it. And it really helps us and keeps us motivated. Cool. Let's do this. So the first question is, what has been most surprising to you so far in the last six months? And both Mm -hmm. of us will answer that. You go first. What has been most surprising? So I think the most surprising thing to me is how I think I've been really lucky. So I got to at least caveat this with that, right? That makes sense. Caveat this with that. Uh, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have had very little sickness, very little like absolutely need to sleep other than the first 12 weeks. I really felt like I needed to sleep a lot, but I've had very little sickness and not a lot of physical discomfort either. And I'm six and a half months pregnant. I definitely have a belly. I think like over this past week, my belly has uh, pushed further than my boobs because my boobs definitely grew a ton, like so much. I can attest to this. (laughs) And it's been surprising to me how 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 much it just like easily integrated into my life like the transition it's been really quick like i've current i'm currently like 24 pounds heavier than i was before and that's really for me that's i don't know how other people feel about it when they get pregnant but that's like a lot of weight to gain for me in a really short period of time mm-hmm. and i feel like my body has just completely transformed into something different i don't i'm not here hating my body i'm not here you know i just am appreciating the beauty of what's happening and it's been surprising at how like I can just pretty much go about my day Mm -hmm. like it hasn't really affected my day that much other than of course we're doing a lot we're reading a lot and we're learning a lot and we're preparing we're doing a lot of preparation but 
it hasn't, it hasn't yet really impeded my life in a big way, which I, I totally thought this would be this huge transition already. Mm -hmm. And it just hasn't been as much. I think it's fair to say also each pregnancy, each person is also very different. So that's why, yeah, that that was the caveat is like, I am lucky in the sense that that has been my current situation up to now. Maybe the, maybe the rest, the future is different, but I, there are women out there who get incredibly sick their entire pregnancies or they have to sleep so much or, you know, like it's just not the same as my situation. Mm -hmm. So I um, am surprised that that's my situation. I'm grateful every single day mm-hmm. for sure because mm-hmm. I know that maybe our next pregnancy won't be that way. And I know my friends, a lot of my friends just did not have that experience. I think the most surprising thing for me has been that your sex drive has gone up at different points, <laughs> which is so counterintuitive. I thought you would be feeling these like these uncomfortable physical sensations like nausea or um, you know, feeling bad about your body and all of these different kinds of things. And I thought you would really not be interested in sex at all. And it's been such a pleasant surprise because I love all of the changes in your body. Uh, it's been such a pleasant surprise that your sex drive has gone up. And what I've come to find out is that's actually pretty normal for many women in pregnancy. Some that does not happen to, but it happens to many for some different hormonal reasons. Like you have so many hormones going on in your body right now. And that's been awesome. The other one is that I've, I thought I would resist the idea. I mean, you know, TBD on this, but I thought I would resist the idea of you know, staying home more, taking care of the house more, taking care of you more, more than I am right now. I thought I would resist all of that and like giving up my personal freedom and autonomy. And I feel like part of me definitely feels some discomfort with it. And I just also feel like in surrender with it. I feel like this is the most important stuff that I could be focused on. And I feel really excited to do it. And so that's a little surprising. It's probably also helpful that coronavirus happened at the same time and you kind of don't have a choice but to stay home so Mm -hmm. it's might have been good timing not that like coronavirus is good in any way but might have been one positive piece of this puzzle that you have to stay home and there isn't much else (laughs) you don't have ways to distract yourself it's helped me ramp ramp down i think what are you most proud of in the way that you've been these past six months Mm, the most proud. And I also, just everyone listening, I have not heard Michael's answers. So we're making up these answers right now. It's like the first thing that comes to our mind. So I'm surprised by that. The sex drive, that was your answer. Interesting. <laughs> I'm surprised by that too, actually. <laughs> what am I most proud of? I am most proud of the way that I am treating my body. I think it's just like the first thing that's going to come to my mind my mind and my body. I'm way more dialed in with my nutrition and my morning routine and how I'm treating myself than I, I don't know if it's way more than usual, but I thought it would be affected by being pregnant. I Mm -hmm. thought that I would give in to pregnancy. I would have all these crazy cravings and I would just eat whatever I wanted and exercise would be so much harder or I'd be less motivated to exercise. And I think there's this switch that I really want to 
there's something, there's a human being growing inside me. It's such a weird thing to think about. And I want to be the best vessel for this creation possible. And so the motivation is really high for me to work out every day or as many days as I can and to move my body and to treat my body well. I mean, I've, I've changed so much about my day-to-day life. Like I don't sit in chairs really. I sit on a bouncy ball. I'm sitting on a bouncy ball right now. One of those like, what do you call these? Exercise ball. An exercise ball. I walk almost every day. I exercise almost every day. I'm eating a wide variety of very micronutrient-dense foods. I'm not... I do have moments for sure where I'm not eating, like I'm eating things that are more treat or indulgences, but it's not nearly as frequent as I had imagined. But I'm really proud of myself for meditating and journaling and reading and learning and taking this on so seriously the whole time. I don't think I've wavered in a moment of that. And I don't think I've ever seen you take care of your entire like mind and body as consistently as you have been the past Mm -hmm. six months. Yeah. And I, part of me feels a little bit also like the past three or four years has been in a way in preparation for this, like practice for this. I've built up a bunch of skills and disciplines to get to this place where I feel like now I can finally do this and not, I don't have lots of moments of resistance against it. I'm, I don't have moments of, oh, I don't want to do that. Like that doesn't really come up as often. And I just feel proud of that. That's awesome. What do I feel most proud of? I mean, in all honesty, you've been, another surprising thing has been like, you have been not a bitch at all. Hmm. And I I, I figured you might be, excuse my language. I figured you might complain a lot and you, for good reason, right? Like I I thought you were going to have a ton of nausea and a ton of pain and you were, it was going to bring out a lot of negativity in you. And that has not happened for, for lots of different reasons. And I give you so much props for that. Why was I even saying that? I think I'd, I haven't been tested or challenged like a lot of partners might be when their, their significant other gets pregnant. With that said, I think what I'm most proud of is how present I've been in meetings and courses and how much I'm taking responsibility for like my role in raising this kid. Um, as we were jotting down like resources and stuff, I think I'm on like my sixth baby book right now. Which is more than me, I think. I'm just like cruising through. I'm learning a ton and I love it. I'm, I'm enjoying every moment of it. And I'm just really proud of myself for at the beginning of this, I said that I wanted to take full responsibility for this. And I've certainly made some mistakes along the way, but I think that I've really, I've really shown up in that way. And I've been really present with you the the entire way. Yeah. I feel how excited you are and how much, how you want to be Mm -hmm. when he gets here. Mm -hmm. So very cool. What have you struggled with most? Yeah. So this piece is, you know, there's been struggles. So, so far we've pretty much been talking about nice things. Like I have had minimal physical discomfort and it's been relatively easy compared to experiences that I've heard from friends or my, my social media friends that that send me DMs (laughs) who I don't know you guys, but we talk a lot. So (laughs) I like you. Yeah. The struggles, there have been a number of different struggles. I think the biggest one the biggest one that comes to mind is probably coronavirus. Like it really impacted my life in a lot of ways that 
affected how I'm experiencing being pregnant and it's been really challenging. So one example, a smaller example is that I'm probably not going to be able to have a baby shower and I'm not going to be able to have my friends were planning me a mother's blessing, which I think is really beautiful. And there's going to have to be some digital version of it, which is just not really the same. As as superficial as this might sound, I was also excited to walk around Austin in the summer and wear cute dresses and go to, you know, the coffee shop and people to ask me questions, you know, like I, I was with my really good friend last year when she was pregnant and all the time they were like, when are you due? Is it a boy or a girl? And I just like kind of wanted the attention too, which I mean, I'm not like the most vain person in the world, but it's just my first baby and I just wanted to share it with a lot of people and get join pregnancy mom groups that are due at the same date as me and make other pregnant friends. And it's just not, we can't really do that. So we're in classes and stuff, but it's all on Zoom. So you don't get to have like the side chats with other couples or it's that type of experience is not happening and it probably won't because we're due at the end of July and we have no idea how long this is going to last. So that's been really a struggle. I've also really struggled with the way that my exercise has to change. So I started noticing some, um, I do have some pelvic pain that's um, connected to, I started noticing some ab separation, um, which it's not like diastasis recti quite yet. Like I only have one finger was worth of separation, which is pretty normal for women in pregnancy. And I also just don't want to exacerbate the situation and being the kind of person that really takes research seriously and learning what's the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. And then you go into the Dr. Google and he says a million different things. Like one person says, do this. One person said, there's so many conflicting perspectives on what you should and shouldn't do. So that's been really hard just to talk more in detail about that at the end as well. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit more in detail about that, but it's just definitely been a struggle just wanting to make sure that you're doing the right thing. And then hearing so many different perspectives on what the right thing is. And it makes sense. Like pregnancy is just experienced so differently by so many different women. And so it's like the first lesson of trusting your intuition of what feels right for you, which I'm sure being a mother is exactly like that as well. Like there's so many different perspectives on how to raise your child, but you have to do what feels right for you. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a really big struggle. And then that just like comes with all the changes in my body. I... I really thought I would go into pregnancy and be like, I love my pregnancy body. I feel so sexy and so beautiful. And I definitely have moments where I don't feel sexy or beautiful. And I also like have moments of missing my body before. Not not definitely the way that it looked for sure. And I don't think I, I love my body now. I also loved my body before and I have moments of missing it. And I miss like being able to wear whatever I wanted and not like I don't fit into a lot of clothes right now. And so that's kind of hard. And then the like the changes are just so new. I feel like I haven't had time to adjust. And the piece of like the physical piece. Like I used to be able to just go into the gym and do whatever exercise I wanted, push as hard as I possibly can. And there was no hesitation. And now I feel a level of hesitation in the gym. Like any exercise I do in the gym, there is some, some moment of is this safe? Can I do this? Am I hurting myself? Am I going to make recovery for myself worse on the other end? And there's that like, that like little bit of anxiety and fear around it. And it's my first time. And I don't have like other people, other pregnant women I can exercise with, or I can't go to like a prenatal exercise class. So 
There's just a little bit of that. That's a lot. And in the last <laughs> week, I feel like you've broken through that a little bit. Like you, you seem mm-hmm. to be much more at ease with that. How, yeah. how have you done that? So I don't know if we'll go in that in the technical aspect of things, but I've, I did interview with three different physical therapists that do telehealth and I got on different telehealth calls with them and they, I found the one that I resonated with and connected with the most and she made me feel safe and she gave me exercises that I feel like I can do safely and I feel confident in. So that's been really, really helpful. And I also think it was just like this kind of like the stages of grief of like denial and then what is it? It's like denial and then blame. Or There's like different stages and eventually you end up in acceptance. I've definitely had this like mourning or grief around what my body was before, which I'm not saying I can't ever get back to where I was before, but I, I'm, I'm sure things are going to be different, which is also okay. And there's this mourning of that. And I feel like I've reached this place of, okay, like I'm just going to do the best with what I can do. And I'm just in this situation right now and I'm going to do the best that I can. Sweet. You also seem to not be resisting the fact that there are just certain exercises you can't do. You seem to be very frustrated at like learning that a certain exercise that you thought was safe for you might not be. And quite a few of those came up. And then at some point last week, you were just like, all right, it is what it is. And and that's okay. There are still a lot of things that I can do, which is something that we preach in nutrition and a lot of areas of life is just like focus on the things that you can do and can control. Yeah. Cool. Uh, for me, what I've struggled with most, um, as of the time of this recording, last week, Adi and I got in several fights. Um, <laughs> Epic fights. Which were, which is what I... Sh- I think I've struggled with most. It, it was around me not participating enough in, I don't know, it was probably uh, probably multiple things, but one of the concrete things was not participating enough in helping her to create her exercise program. That's kind of my domain. Like I have a background in exercise science and I have a master's degree in it and I'm just very well versed in helping her with that. And I have been treating, you know, in my past, um, I have a habit of treating our relationship like everything has to be perfectly fair, 50-50. And I'm like, I track things a lot more closely than her, like who's doing what and making sure we're doing what's fair. That's not how I want to be, but I, I, that's a tendency of mine. And so I was kind of treating her exercise program and her body like it was it's entirely her responsibility and I just I didn't I was completely blind to the fact that I could be a really big help by either creating the entire program or just being a part of the decision making so that she doesn't feel like she's having to do it all on her own and she was going through a lot of like fear and discomfort that she just described to you. And I just wasn't, I just wasn't being very helpful. And so I think that what has been the biggest struggle is some of those, I think as soon as she got pregnant, suddenly there were all of these things that she was taking responsibility for. Like she's taking care of the uh, baby's health inside of her body. She's worrying about like, uh, different talking to different experts. She's worried about the birth plan, all all things that I'm a I'm I'm still a part of, but I don't worry about or 
think about nearly as much as her. And so there have been a lot of things that have been kind of invisible to me that I'm becoming more aware of that are like just a part of my responsibility. So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you just, it was like this whole layer of, we we had before I got pregnant, a pretty good routine of what I take care of in the house and what you take care of in the house. And we, we it felt pretty fair, right? Like we very rarely ever got into issues around, I feel like I'm doing more than you. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of had this agree- agreement that it was even. Pretty again. explicit, like yeah. we talked about. All of the things. Yeah. Like it's pretty even at the end of the day. And we just we just help each other out as much as we can. And there's certain things that are mutual tasks and certain things that I know are your domain and you know are my domain. And then getting pregnant added this whole extra layer of responsibilities on top of what we're already responsible for. So it's not like the other responsibilities went away and then we got all these new ones to replace them. It's just on top. And a lot of them I did take on my piece is like, I didn't even communicate. I was taking these on. And at the time it was fine, especially before coronavirus and before we started working a lot more and really trying to like be at work a lot more than we were before. And so it reached like a peak where I just like felt like I couldn't do all of it at the same time. And that was affecting how I was showing up on date night and I wasn't being present and I was being super stressed and I was being very short and irritable. And that's not how I want to be. And so that created like an argument which led to the discovery that I just kind of took on this extra layer of responsibility as, oh, those are going to be my things that I'm responsible for when there are places that it would be super helpful for you to join me Mm -hmm. or be in that decision-making process for me. And you want to be. Right. And pick up slack in other areas. Mm -hmm. And you want to be. And it's like, oh, yeah, pick up slack in other areas. Like maybe you do more of what was usually my responsibility, Mm -hmm. but... I need you to help me, which has been super awesome to have those struggles because when the baby gets here, I feel like it's going to be even more mm-hmm. than what we're talking about right now. Like that, I think that's the biggest source of fighting for new parents is the, the negotiations of shared responsibilities and, and one feeling like they're doing more than the other and undervaluing what the other is doing. So I've read. Yeah. And (laughs) so, and there's this layer of like, I'm physically being affected by this. Like my hormones are changing, my body's changing and who knows what I'm going to feel like once I get a baby outside of me and the hormones and the sleep and all of that. Like there's just, it's now figuring out how to renegotiate the shared responsibilities and how to support each other differently. And I think it's really important to be starting to have those conversations because it can't be the same as what it used to be. And so I think you just like had this realization of like, whoa, it's okay that our, our, the way that we support each other is starting to change Mm -hmm. and I need to figure out how I want to show up differently. Like we both do. Yeah. And I think the only way to overcome that challenge for anyone listening that is pregnant or thinking of getting pregnant is just be in constant communication. Mm -hmm. If you have uh, ideally like a a weekly or or a repetitive check-in with each other, just keep asking each other, how are you doing? Is there anything that I can help you with? That that sort of line of thinking. Yeah. And just as like a, I think most women would agree with me um, as like a mental tip for men pro tip 
or the husbands in this situation, the, the question of like, what can I do to help you is useful to a, to a point because especially for a first time pregnant mother, we're doing this for the first time too. So a lot of times I don't even know what you can do to help me. Mm-hmm. And there's not, it's nice to be able to say, I need you to help me with this workout program. And that was like a really useful thing for you. Like, I, I can't, I don't know what to do. Can you please help me with this workout program? Um, there's also some benefit to just trying to help in ways, just going for it. And I'm sure I've heard from friends and from other people that have kids when the baby actually gets here, um, the question of like, what can I do to help you is, can be hard because you're also doing this for the first time and you're also exhausted. And instead it might just be better. Like telling your partner what to do is another task where you could just jump in there and help and, you know, do just support in any way that you can. Sweet. Okay. So let's run through some, uh, more technical stuff. And I don't think we need to spend any significant time on any of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's yeah. just run through them. So what do you? What have you been reading? So I have been reading a couple of different books. I finished Ina May's Guide to Childbirth, which I thought was amazing. Before I got pregnant, I read Expecting Better, which for anybody that's trying to get pregnant or thinking about it, that's a really great one. Um, I read a book called You Are Your Child's First Teacher, which is a book on the Waldorf philosophies of how to raise children. I tr- I chose like a couple books about raising kids just because I'm imagining in my head that once we have a baby that I'll have less time to read. So <laughs> I'm re- trying to read a little bit about that now. Um, so You Are Your Child's First Teacher. I actually stopped reading up until they were talking about three-year-olds. Um, once they got past three-year-olds, I felt like it was just too much for me and it wasn't useful. So um, I read from age newborn to three years old of it's like how to create the home, how to what type of rhythm and experience and what stages of development are they going through. It was really interesting. I loved that. I am currently reading a book called Baby Sign Language, which is really interesting. It talks about how there's like a couple ways to communicate with your baby before they can actually speak. And just a couple of simple American Sign Language signs or gestures, you can pair them with words consistently and building that habit before your baby can actually sign. I think the earliest your baby can sign, they said, was like five months, which is really early. Not every baby does, but between five and eight months, they'll do their first sign. And it would be really cool to be able to communicate with our baby before they can speak just to know. I don't know. I think it would just be really cool. So it's a really – that book is like – very few pages and super simple. And I, I'm just learning how to teach our baby how to do sign language. I wish we could teach Otis how to sign. (laughs) I think he kind of (laughs) knows. Okay. So I've, the first book I read was nurture shock. I think it's new thinking on babies or new thinking on children. And this one covers a ton of different topics. It was fascinating, super good book. I'm reading the expectant father, which is pretty boring, but gives a really great overview of like what to expect at different at the different months of pregnancy. I think I'm not getting the story in my head is that I'm not getting that much out of it because I've grown up around people like a lot of babies and I've seen a lot of pregnant women and I just feel like I know a lot of this stuff. The other the other possibility is that a D is just like keeping me so informed on what she's learning that Probably I that. already feel like I've <laughs> I've learned it from her. Another one is called All Joy, No Fun. My friend John Berardi recommended it 
to us. And he, this book is a very like sobering view of what parenting is like for, for many people. It wasn't like a very enjoyable read, but I think it was an important one for me to read. Uh, the Secrets of the Baby Whisperer and The Natural Sleep Solution. So both of those are about like creating rhythms and routines in the early like months and years. And I definitely feel like I've had a huge like mental upgrade, like a software upgrade in how I think about what to actually do when the baby comes. I feel like a lot more confident about what to do when, when he mm-hmm. comes. And I do think sometimes we might come across like we were these planners and these organizers and we do all of this research before something happens. I want to just make an important note that we are also completely open to everything that we learned being completely wrong and not okay for us. We're also remaining flexible to the fact that this is a new process for us. Um, We just want to feel at least prepared to some degree and flexible enough to throw anything out the window. Mm -hmm. It helps us feel calm and safe and prepared. If you're the type of person that just like wants to wing it and you feel, you feel more stressed out by reading this much information, then probably not for you. Mm -hmm. What else? Uh, classes we're taking. So we're taking, we signed up for two different classes. The first class we're taking is a hypnobirthing. It's like an eight hour it's Total. where it's where I hypnotize her and then she falls asleep and then she wakes up and the baby's out. No, that's not it. I think the name is actually kind of a little bit confusing. Misleading. Yeah, because it's not hypnotism at all. It's really just about um, a methodology or a practice, a lot like meditation and mindfulness about directly in relation to labor and delivery and how your partner can support you. And strategies for them, like what to expect, how to show up, how to prepare. And then the same thing for the mother in how to lean into having an easy birth experience, not necessarily pain-free, not necessarily, you know, it's not going to be easy, Mm -hmm. but an easier experience and just having some preparation and breathing exercises and meditation exercises and some affirmations. And they we had our first class last night, which was awesome because they explained the actual physiological mechanisms that are happening in labor and delivery. There was a couple things that were so, we had no idea about. Like if you do delayed cord clamping when a baby comes out, meaning you don't cut the umbilical cord super quickly you, and the baby doesn't cry right away. So we had watched a couple birth videos and it is a little bit nerve wracking. Like, is why isn't the baby crying? Like, that's what everyone says. Like, you know, the baby's okay when they cry. And we found out that the umbilical cord doesn't get smushed to the point where the oxygen can't go through. So it actually, if you're delaying the cord clamping, it's it's totally normal that the baby actually just takes some time to cry because they're getting all the oxygen that's left through the umbilical cord before they start breathing air. And like before they come into the world, they're not breathing at all. <laughs> so... I thought that was so interesting. Like, mm-hmm. and like what's happening in the uterus. And it just really helped me understand what's happening, which I think my theory is that it will help me be more able to accept the process because I'm not like, what's happening to my body? I'm not so like unsure about what's going on. There's more understanding about what's happening in my body. Why is it feeling this way? And there's going to be less fear. Um, I'm trying to go into that experience. And I think you're trying to go into that experience with as little fear as possible and 
much more calm, relaxed mind. For sure. And then we're also doing the breastfeeding 5,000 mastery course. <laughs> yeah, just a breastfeeding class uh, to make sure that we have a couple tips and resources on what to expect and how to make the most out of breastfeeding. Let's talk about the exercises that you're doing. Yeah, so I started noticing some ab separation. I noticed this not from, I actually didn't feel anything. Nothing felt weird. I was just doing exercises based on what was feeling good in the gym. And then I was rowing one day. That was the, remember that day? Yep. I noticed it in the gym. And when I was leaning back on the rower and pulling the, the handle to me, I noticed that my stomach was coning a little bit, meaning that like there was like a mound in the middle. If you don't know what this looks like, just Google coning pregnancy yeah, belly. Like a, like a long oval. Yeah. So it's just, it like looked really strange and I knew that that was coning and I knew that that wasn't a good thing. So, but it didn't feel weird. So I did, I just like got a little bit nervous. Like it doesn't feel weird, but what does this mean? So I started looking into it and I have like a full fingers worth of separation. My abs are starting to separate as the baby's growing and I don't want to do any exercises that cause coning in my belly because I don't want to exacerbate the separation in order to make recovery after birth easier for the abs to come back together. They do come back together. So I have adjusted a lot of my exercises. So I'm not doing anything that causes coning. And in some women, different exercises work. So example, a lot of women can do push-ups on their knees and they don't see any coning in their belly. I can't. Like I go, I go straight, even in like the plank on my knees, I see coning in my belly. Mm -hmm. So I can't do that. I can't do rowing. I can't do a lot of exercises that I thought I could do. Like a wall ball even. There's like certain moments in the wall ball where um, I'm actually coning in my belly. So I'm working with a physical therapist to learn how to strengthen my abdominal muscles and brace and flex in a way that um, limits the coning and like stops it from happening as well as just some strengthening exercises. So that's been really helpful. And I just do things that feel good and don't cause that shape in my belly. So And I, now if you're if you are unsure of if you're coning or not, if it's like a position that you can't see, then you just get me to come over and Yeah. And Michael watches me, which is hard when your boobs get so big that you can't look down and see your belly. Then I can't like, stare at anything else. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. But it's like hard. I'm like, I can't even see my belly. That was part of the stress for me. It's like I can't even look down and look at it to see if it's coning. Plus hard knock life. Plus yeah. when you look down, it can actually create the coning from that bend in your neck. So yeah. So I've been changing up a lot of my exercises, still just doing the best that I can in the gym. Don't be coning ladies. <laughs> and we are also doing a couple, we started doing daily exercises called spinning babies. You can Google the spinning babies exercises. And that is to just help with optimal baby positioning for the baby's going to very soon get into, hopefully, fingers crossed, a head down position that's preparing for labor and delivery. So we are doing, there's like three different exercises, two that you actually need a partner to help you with. And one that I can do on my own right now, I might need a partner eventually, but um, there are three different exercises that we do each morning and that's been added into our routine. And then lastly, we're starting to have some conversations about what our vision of what life can look like when we are when we actually have the baby. So first off, we we're staying present to the fact that we can come up with as many plans as we want, but the baby is going to have plans of 
his own. And we just have no idea. We know we have no idea what it's actually going to be like. So we're coming up with, with some visions and some plans and we're holding on to them as loosely as possible um, to remain flexible uh, as things change. Yeah. And then we're doing some fun stuff like decorating the nursery. We want our nursery to just, we want to walk in there and for it to feel so good. Um, we also want the baby to just like feel that we are big believers in your physical space affecting your internal space. So we want to have a very calm, soothing environment. So we started decorating that, which we love. And maybe we'll share that on social media when it's done. And yeah, we're just trying to enjoy the process. And maybe we'll do another check-in at nine months right before the baby we'll gets here. That. Yeah, we will. We will. We will. <laughs> cool. This is great. Yeah. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for joining us. Stay in touch by signing up for our newsletter at workingagainstgravity.com or on Instagram at workingagainstgravity. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and refer a friend. We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you then.